A healthy mind is you dancing in your room and not giving a sh about what anybody else says. That's a yeah. healthy mind versus being in your room, which is your mind, where you, you're limited and you think everything about what people say. You're kind of stagnant. So when you're dancing, that's an action and that's a joyous action. Part inspiration, part education, the whole artist with Courtney Rue. Be your best you. Hey, thanks for listening to The Whole Artist with Courtney Rue. I'm Courtney Rue. And before we get into our guest intro, I just want to really thank you for those of you who have reached out and done iTunes reviews and posted on Instagram. And it's just really nice to hear back from you and to know what you've been enjoying and how I can serve you better. Thank you, Elle Vogel, for your iTunes review. So sweet. Um, Season one is almost done, you guys. Crazy. I thought we'd wrap up season one next week with my friend Kelly O'Sullivan, so make sure you tune in then. Kelly wrote and starred in St. Francis, one of my favorite films of the year. It won tons of awards in all the festivals around the world, including critics and audience awards. So if you want, you can rent it or buy it on iTunes or Amazon Prime before the episode next week and be caught up so you know what we're talking about. Season one has turned out to be actors, advocates, content creators, and actors who are also teachers. And these are just people that I'm really drawn to and really appreciate and love. Today, we have a multi-passionate artist who also teaches and creates his own content. His name is Taylor Mallory. Taylor is a professional singer, songwriter, actor, educator, and looping artist. As a music artist, he's been featured in the Wall Street Journal, Jet, Windy City Live, and nominated for Best Male Vocalist for the Chicago Music Awards. His acting highlights include national print, radio, and commercial ads from Corona, Newport, McDonald's, Rocket Mortgage, and many more. He made his TV debut on NBC Chicago PD as Darius Brown. And above all, Mallory uses his artistry as an entertainer to uplift and encourage those who have experienced childhood trauma and sexual abuse. His message is simple. You are enough, and your healing starts with you. Embrace all your different selves. In addition, Taylor is a proud SAG-AFTRA member, also a member of the local Chicago board, thank you, and a vocal mentor for the Fame Foundation. He currently teaches a course entitled Professional Development for Vocalist at the Chicago High School of Arts and directs a 20-student rock band at the School of Rock Oak Park. His artistic statement is simple, my passion is my profession. You can learn more about Taylor after this interview at taylormallorymusic.com. I've known Taylor for a couple years now through SAG-AFTRA events, and recently I'd seen a Facebook post from him asking, how many black male teachers have you had? And I had to really think about it. I don't think I've had any black male teachers. So Taylor and I talk about that. We talk about his career in music and acting and how he got a SAG-AFTRA card, his role on the board, and just really how he uses his life and his passion to uplift and inspire other people. I am inspired by Taylor's vulnerability and his activism and the amazing work he does in our community, both as an artist and an educator. I hope you love Taylor as much as I do. Please enjoy the interview and let us know if you do. Taylor Mallory. Hello. Hello. How are you? I am doing well. How are you feeling today? I'm doing well. You know, we talked about it before we started recording. We both had a smoothie and some meditation. Mm -hmm. so Much needed. Feeling good. Yes. Yes. And like you said, I hope this brings positivity to, to both of us and to the people who listen to it later when they do. I'm sure Well, the Courtney I know always has sunshine in her pocket. <laughs> 
So you too. I'm so glad we let can it talk. shine. Let it shine. Oh, you're so <laughs> <sweet>. <laughs> You know, we heard the list of the many, many creative, amazing, giving things that you love to do when I read off your bio before Mm -hmm. this. Above all, Mallory uses his artistry as an entertainer to uplift and encourage those who have experienced childhood trauma and sexual abuse. His message is simple. You are enough and your healing starts with you. Embrace all your different selves. And, you know, when I became a coach, I became a coach because my life was a mess. And Mm -hmm. then I decided to use my mess as my message, as the saying goes. Is that what happened for you too? Are you using your mess as your message? How did you get inspired to help people in that way? Interesting. Yeah. So I don't, I didn't necessarily consider, and I'm not taking anything away. I, I never consider my stuff was a mess. I think for me, how I took it was, it was a struggle. We all have struggles in life as mm-hmm. individuals. And I wanted the things that I've struggled with in my life to also be my vocation. This year, just recently, it was it just, it's been a very transformative year for, for me, you know, stepping into the education pool and the education role. Yeah. Um, and so for me, you know, I, I don't step into my education wanting to, you know, heal those who have been, you know, abused, but that's just my personal story. And I believe that we all have a story that helps uplift us all. I mean, when we go to the news, we look at headlines, we look at stories and my message is just simple. You know, I, I've, I've been in therapy and in group therapy for a while. And I've noticed that individuals in life, including myself, we have these different images. And I actually got this from a, this book that I read It's called Beyond Betrayal by Richard Gardner. And it, it mentions that we have three images the person who we want to be, the person who we are, and then the person the world expects us to be. And when Mm -hmm. all three of those are are in line, that's when we have a healthy mind and we have an unlimited self. He just encourages individuals who've been through those adversities to embrace all of your different selves. And so for me, when I'm in my classroom or when I teach or as an individual, I just like to encourage people to be who they are, but also embrace all of the different selves that you have and not become a limited one dimensional artist. So, yeah. That's awesome. And not try to push anything away or hide anything. I think, yeah, that's a really cool message. I love that. You often post about the importance of being a black male teacher and how children have to have that role model in their life. Can you talk a little bit more about that? This was something that I I wasn't privy to before I started educating, but I was looking online because I'm, and I guess we'll talk about this later on, but I, I was doing a, a song challenge and yeah. um, like one of my topics was, you know, black kids and educational system. And I looked online and looked at statistics and I was just blown away that, you know, black males only make up 2% of the teaching force. And then in reality, some of the certain um, organizations that I've worked with, it's been like, not that many black males at all. And then it's interesting. I, I posted on social media, how many black male teachers did you have growing up? And I, and, really and, <laughs> and even myself, I was like, I've only had one and I'm a black male. And yeah, I asked yeah. all different races and it was the same thing. It was like, Oh, zero, one, two, three, you know, four, zero. And that, that right there was very, very eye opening for me. And so that even brought, everything to full circle as me being an inspired or an educator of just taking, not only taking on that role, but making sure that I could be a vessel and an agent of change. So yeah, I was pretty overwhelmed when I saw that statistic, but it kind of put some fire under my belt to, you know, not so much want to be a savior, but just to be a, a vessel as I mentioned. So yeah. And inspire people. Right. 
So you teach a lot of different things to kids, right? <laughs> right, you, yeah. You teach with fame, and then you also go in and teach in the Chicago school districts. Is that right? Yes. So I currently teach at two schools. So I teach at Shy Arts. I teach juniors, junior vocalists there. The class that I teach there is called Professional Development for Vocalists. It's essentially like a music business philosophy class. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So like just just, just training kids on, you know, why are you an artist? What is your artistic statement what do you stand on then we get into the essentials of being a, an artist or a vocalist and then we get into other factors as far as marketing and the financials and social media and contracts so once again it's just like this gumbo of of music business that's amazing and i and i like i love sel education which is social emotional learning education so i try to instill in that so that's shy arts also shy arts i'm the advisory um i'm one of the I don't know how many advisors they have. I think it's like, I don't know, six or seven, but I'm one of the advisories. Then to transition, I know this is a lot. I teach at, <laughs> I teach at School of Rock and I do private lessons there, but I'm also a director at, at School of Rock. So um, oh, wow. I, I direct a 20 student rock band and yeah, with fame, I'm, I'm, I'm the vocal mentor. So I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm a vocal mentor on the board and we host different auditions throughout the year. And my role is just to help vocalists uh, once again, professionally develop themselves before they do the competition. That's so cool because I feel like so, we don't learn any of that stuff in school usually. So the fact that you are teaching that to kids, I know they're going to an art school, so it's a little bit different, but most kids don't get the opportunity to learn about the business behind their music. Like they just get to learn about the music and then they get into the real world and it's like, it doesn't matter how talented you are. We have to learn that we are a business and for them to learn that in junior year of high school is just amazing. Yeah. And, and I guess my class is like the precursor to their senior project. So it's it's good for them to like, you know, have their artistic statement and the business aspects before they go to present at their final year, their one page of why they want to commit to the artistic role that they want to be in. So yeah, I think it's yeah. cool that they had that set up at Shy Arts. And I'm, I'm, I'm once again, I'm just honored and just grateful to work with these students. It's, th this generation is it's so interesting. Generation Z is just on a whole nother level. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we look to them for uh, the future. So um, did you have your artistic statement created before you started teaching them? Or is that something that you learned to do while teaching them? No, I, I, I've had this for a while. And my, my artistic statement is uh, my passion is my profession. And that came into my spirit, I don't know, maybe about a decade ago. And I just realized that not only am I uh, privileged and grateful, you know, to have music as, you know, my therapeutic outlet, but also as my vocation, also as just my stamp as an artist. But it's just a, another cool thing that I can make money doing it, too. But yeah. even if I didn't make the money, though, Courtney, like I still would like donate my time. And so my yeah. artistic statement is just simple. You know, my passion is my profession. It's just a statement that, you know, I'm doing what I love and I love what I do. Yeah. And I think that's important because I just talked to a client the other day who is afraid to make their passion their profession. They have a full-time job outside of acting, but they really love acting. And that fear keeps people stuck. And like, what if I don't make it? And what if I fall flat on my face and I make mistakes and I'm not good enough? And, you know, you're just an inspiration to say, my passion is my profession. I'm going to do it no matter what. So like, 
Look out, world. You know what? It's interesting. I think a, a, a lot of people have that fear based off what we were talking about earlier about that image, you know, because some people don't take that leap. It could be like finances, you know, which is a big, big, big thing, yeah. you know, being it an artist. It is an expensive career. <laughs> it's, it is expensive and it's up and down. So there's no yes. like roadmap. But I, I think if you only have one life to live, right? And it's uh, an actress by the name of, uh, oh, what is her name? She plays on, on Blackish. I forgot her name. Is it Jennifer Jeanette Lewis? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, she's hilarious. But she kind of talks about life in summers. And she was like, you will not mess with the rest of my 15 summers. And, and like, <laughs> you know, because I think she's like probably like, like, I don't know, like 65 or something. And when I thought about that, I was like, wow, because I mean, we compute things in, in you know, terms of, OK, well, I'm, I'm 25 or I'm 18 or I'm 33, or I'm 40 and 50. But just thinking about like how many summers we have left, you know, it, it's just like, well, if, if I only have about 60 some odd summers, I want to make sure that I'm able to be my optimal self and go after what God God has called me to be, because if yeah. I don't, then what's the purpose of life? You know, right. the purpose of life is not to go to your nine to five job every day and make money for a company. And I've seen people do that, Courtney, and they are some are miserable. <laughs> so, I know. It's like, why? My husband used to be one of those people. Right. I pulled him out. <laughs> hey. Yeah. Jim Rohn talks about that life is like the seasons and that you will have winters and then there will be time for planting seeds and then the time to harvest those seeds. And I think that's interesting to focus on your summers, but also realize that there are going to be some winters and that's OK, too. That's part of life. Like you said in the beginning, like everybody has struggles. And just because your profession as an actor doesn't mean it's going to all these summers. You got to go through those winters, too. And it's a time to take care of yourself and hibernate and rejuvenate and be ready for those summers. You got it right. Yeah, that's that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so you mentioned your 52-week song challenge. Did you come up with that? Was that your idea? And how's it going? Thanks for asking. Um, so as far as the hashtag I created, well, I, I, I can't say that I created. I just really just calculated. I was like, well, how many weeks are, are there in a year? Mm -hmm. um, but I, I was inspired by an artist by the name of DJ Ajanra, and she did a 365-day beat challenge. So she was doing a beat you know, a, a music composition um, every day. And I was like, wow, me personally, as a, as a music composer, it's hard for me. It's not hard for me, but I, I think I have like a small case of non-egocentonic perfectionism. So like, I, I, I believe that like, I won't be able to create a song and be happy with it within one day. But if I had each week to create a song and write a song, I think I can do that. Yeah. And so um, I, I got inspired by, by her song challenge and I just uh, transitioned into the challenge that I wanted to create. And so the purpose of it was to A, get out of my comfort zone. Uh, at that point in my life, I was not being creative. And I know it's been in me since um, I was a kid. And so my, my whole goal of doing the song challenge was to challenge myself as a composer, as a writer, as a video editor, as a director, because I did all of the, uh, ah. yeah, because I, I shot, I shot all the videos. I edited the videos. I produced the songs, wrote the songs, sung the songs. So Crazy uh, <laughs> I know it's, it's nuts. I don't know what's wrong <laughs> with me. And you're collaborating with people too, not right. all the time, right? But you recently collaborated with Sam Trump, who I saw live before we went into quarantine. And he's amazing. I love that song, Feeling Better, featuring Sam Trump. What was your inspiration for that? You know what? That inspiration was, I was working with another uh, composer and we took a break. 
And he said he had to like leave. I was like, okay, that's cool. We'll just meet at another time. And keep in mind, this is all during like quarantine virtual world. Yeah. So he um, left out of the room and I just got this inspiration. I started playing this chord in like A minor and it was just, it, it felt good. And I, I just built from there. And then the whole theme was like, you know, trying to give people some rejuvenation. You know, I, I hope you're doing all right. I hope you're feeling better. I hope you're doing all right. I hope you're feeling better. So honestly, that's where it started with. And honestly, how I write songs is just gibberish. So mm -hmm. I'll, I'll play the chords and then I'll just start saying gibberish stuff. And then we put it all together. I actually had the song uh, completed before I sent it to, to Sam and Budway, Ferris and Trentino. But there were some pieces that I felt as, as a musician that I couldn't do as well. Mm -hmm. So I know that Sam is an amazing trumpet player. So, I mean, and I feel like what he added to the song really made the song come into its like, you know, beautiful piece. And then I'm not that good of, of a bassist. So I, I reached out to my my good friend, Bowie Ferris, who's a very versatile bassist. And then I wanted the, the track to have like this house dance soul-esque vibe to it. Mm -hmm. And even though I'm really good with doing production, I, I felt that someone who could add to that piece was a DJ Trentino. And so this piece was, a, it was really a creative gumbo experimental project that nobody knew would, would come out the way that it did. Because interesting, interesting thing, Courtney, when I released it, yeah. Sam didn't know that Budway was on the record. Budway didn't oh, know wow. Sam was on it. And Trentino <laughs> didn't know Budway. So, and I did that intentionally because sometimes musicians will like, know the other artists are, are on tracks. And so they might. I don't know that they might play differently or they might do the yeah. most, but I wanted to be as if it was just like, they're just doing their own solo feature and it actually worked well. So that's how that all came about with the song that's specifically. Really funny. <laughs> It's so important that we find people to collaborate with that have different strengths than us. And that's cool that you had that. How many weeks are you in and how have you felt like you've grown in, in those weeks? Great question. So I'm currently on my 28th week. I took a pause because I didn't feel right putting out music and I felt that my energy could have been exercised through activism as far as in education. Mm -hmm. And that's why I, I decided to release or re-release uh, the documentaries. I, I'm on week 28 right now, and I'm hoping, and I'm putting this in the atmosphere, I, I'm <laughs> hoping to uh, complete my 30th song. And on my birthday this Saturday, I'm thinking about it. I'm not sure if I'm going to do this. On, on, on my birthday, I'm, I'm thinking about releasing an, an album of <laughs> the best of the songs from like the first 30 yeah, so I did take a break because of, you know, all, all of yeah. the, the rioting and, and the protests. Protecting. And I, I wanted to make sure as a as as, as African American male that my voice was being present, but not only being present through music, but through motivation speaking and, you know, just conversation versus just putting out music. So 
That's right. a long drawn out answer, but yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm, well, I'm on first week 20. Happy birthday on Saturday. Thank you. Do you have any plans? I am so random. I don't have any plans. I, I do plan to go to Starve Rock. Oh, I and love just, Star Rock. And just, you know, absorb that atmosphere. I've never been out there. But I don't know. I think I, I kind of want to make it like a fun day. I've been like going yeah. to the park in West Town. That's where I, I live at. And it's Smith Park, Ukrainian mm-hmm. Village. I've just been going to the park and reading books and just enjoying that. So I don't know. I, I think me and my friend, we may just go and just play games on, I, I you know, in, in, yeah. the, in the park. I don't have any plans, Courtney, at all. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah. My husband's birthday is next Wednesday. It's actually his 40th birthday. And I'm like, I have no clue what to do for you. <laughs> like, Yeah, we could probably go outside and, and hang out in a park somewhere. That's about all you can do right now. <laughs> Right. I mean, there, there are. I'm not sure if he's like, uh, if he drinks, you know, if he has alcoholic, you know, beverages. <laughs> he or does, not. yes. He but I, I know this. I know some places are, are are reopening, not not indoor, but maybe like the outdoor for like yeah, you know we're festivities. Still I'm not sure. about it. Yeah, I'm not mad at that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like nothing really has changed. I mean, the cases have gone down in Chicago, so that's changed. But there's still no vaccine. <laughs> right. So. I don't know. We're nervous. We are living in the wild, wild <laughs> west. And we really are. I mean, it's funny. I was driving. I'm just like, I think because a lot of us, we were in quarantine. And for, for mm-hmm. some of them, for, for some of us like me, like I'm a ambivert. So like I'm extroverted, but I'm also introverted. But like yeah. the extroverted part of me was like, I need to get the hell out. I need to, mm-hmm. you know, and I think Americans are just kind of playing yeah. a risky game. By not wearing masks and being a part uh, yeah. of large groups. Especially those in the towns that have like no rules and the cases are going up. It's just, it's insane. Just crazy. But, you know, I don't want to take up the whole time talking about quarantine because uh, <laughs> it's depressing. Right? Yeah, so we're living in it. <laughs> we're living in it. Um, so not only are you a musician, but you're an actor, too. And did you join SAG-AFTRA through music or through acting or both? How did you get your SAG-AFTRA card? Yeah, I joined SAG-AFTRA through acting. It was actually through a, a voiceover project. I booked a voiceover project with Ice Cube and Chorus Light. Nice. And, um yeah, that was about, I, I was looking at my SAG card. <laughs> I did not realize I've been, I've been with the union for six years. I was like, wow. I, I know for some, I, I know for some people it's like, oh, well, I've been in the union for almost 80 years. But <laughs> for me, I, I didn't realize how much time had passed by. But yeah, so I got my SAG card through acting and it was voice acting. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's how I got mine too, through voiceover. It's a good way to make some coin in this business. <laughs> and we actually met at a SAG after meeting for wages and working conditions meeting where you come to talk about the contracts right before they're negotiated and you bring your grievances or what you like about it and you try to figure out what should still be in the contract and what should try to be renegotiated. And so few people come to those. And I feel like you, it was maybe what, four years ago. So you'd been in the union two years and you are like, already showing up. I don't know how long you've been showing up to meetings before that, or if that was your first meeting. What made you come to the meeting and you've come to meetings and events at the union since? Why do you come and what do you get from it personally? Yeah, thanks for that observation. So it's very interesting. I think at the core of all of us, for individuals who who show up when you don't have to really show up, for me, 
I think for me, I'm a very curious person. And I guess I kind of consider myself like a, a academic, someone who really enjoys learning. Like for an example, like when, when, like when I'm with my family and they want to watch like movies, the first thing I'm like, oh, let's go watch a documentary. And they're like, oh, Taylor, yeah. we don't want to watch a documentary today, Taylor. No, we're not watching a documentary. And so... <laughs> And so, and, and I'll watch a documentary with you. <laughs> thank you, thank you. It was funny. I was in my bed the other day. I thought about. I was like, why do I like documentaries, and why do I like movies that are just like gritty and real? And I think it's because I just enjoy learning things that I have no idea about. I enjoy. Mm-hmm being challenged. And so to answer your question about, you know, the timeline of when I arrived at the meetings, I think it was maybe two to three years prior to joining the the board because A, I was collecting residuals and money from, from commercials, but I had no idea like, okay, so how do I assess this? How do I, I just didn't know. I didn't know yeah. like the, the amounts, they were all random. I was like, I need to go to a meeting to figure out from a business standpoint what this means. And then also by arriving to the meetings, I, I had an educational element of how contracts are negotiated with SAG-AFTRA. And then I just saw the fire of those who were on the board and I was like, wow. And then, but but then to be transparent, I looked around, I was like, why aren't the younger people here? Because yeah. we yeah. we're the new generation. That's why I was like, be on the board, please. Come be on the board. Oh, and I thank you. And I like, to this day, I tell people, I was like, if it wasn't for Courtney, I wouldn't be on the board because she reached out to me. It was like, hey, Taylor, have you thought about being on the board? And I didn't think about it. And the same thing happened to me, too. Alyssa Fraden reached out to me. I think a few people reached out to me and were like, you should be on the board. Why aren't, why aren't you on the board? I'm like, I don't know anything. Like, why should I be on the board? But you have to be to learn those things. Right. So, yeah, I mean, to answer your question, I, the I guess the root of it was curiosity. But then then as I joined meetings, I started to realize how important, uh, and it's, I mean, no pun intended, but how solidarity is important for a union mm-hmm. and the working relations. And then I like the aspect of, of giving back. I mean, me, uh, me and my family, specifically my mother, we used to go to certain low poverty stricken areas and we used to give back to those communities. And she used to preach and minister in different low uh, poverty stricken areas. Mm-hmm. And so I also like the element of the union where they actually gave back within a, a, a whole nutshell going to those uh, working contract meetings the wages and yeah the wages it, it um the the, the they're, reason they're called w and w's if you ever get an email about <laughs> a w and you're in the union please come to them yes yes they don't market them properly nobody knows what a w and w is <laughs> so i mean just to answer your question in in a nutshell i arrived to the meetings out of curiosity and as i and as i stayed throughout the couple of years i i grew knowledge and it, it made me want to be a part of the mission of just rights for uh, creative artists like you and I and everyone else in this industry. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Well, we thank you for your service and I'm so glad that you listened and joined. I mean, you have to run for the board. So I love that you ran for the board, that people voted you in and that you show up to meetings. Amazing. And I feel like I, I I feel like I I could do more, but I think because I teach, because I I was teaching throughout Mm -hmm. this whole year, I, some of the meetings I couldn't make, but I, I think I mentioned that to the board and I think yourself, like, I was like, you know what? Thank you so much, Courtney, for even telling me about this. It's just, get, it's, it's just a jump start. This year was to learn how more I can be involved and yeah. what, what more I can do. Yeah. Nobody can show up to every single meeting. I mean, the thing is, we're always like your family comes first, then your acting career, then the union, because that's just how it should go. Right. you got other priorities in your life. Exactly. I saw that you recently posted that you got health insurance from SAG-AFTRA for the second year in a row. Congratulations. Thank you. 
I made it. I made it. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely one of the perks of being in the union, the health insurance. Yes, it is. Is that something you focus on? Is that a goal that you create or is it something that just happened for you? It's now become a goal of mine now that this is my second year obtaining it. But but before I didn't, you know, it's so funny. The first time I, you know, I I had heard about health insurance after health insurance when I first started. And in my mind, I was like, oh, I'm never going to get that. I have to make Mm -hmm. so much money, you know, within a year. And it's already hard to, you know, book that amount of, of, it's not hard, but you know, you know what they say, it's like a one in a million chance, you know. It's to, uncertain that you're going to do Yeah, it. it's very, thank you. That's the proper way to say it. It's, it's uncertain. And so it's so funny, the first year when I got the packet in the mail, I was like, huh, me? Really? Could it be? Like, is, 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 is this for me? And so then, and then when I got the insurance and I just saw, oh, this is what it feels like to have benefits. This is what it feels like to have a $25 copay, you know, and then it'd be transparent. You know, it came at the right time because as I mentioned earlier in in the podcast, you know, I'm in therapy right now for uh, childhood sexual uh, abuse and I'm also in group therapy. Um, and so to be able to have these, you know, $25 co-pays instead of like paying $125, yeah. um, is just, it's great. I mean, I, I, I don't, I'm not sick all the time, but just going for a doctor's checkup and just having the security and the stability, it just, as an actor, as an artist, it just gives you a little bit more mental well-being that everything is going to be okay so to answer your question it's definitely been a goal now and so yeah so three's a crowd if i can get it next year oh Oh, i didn't get it before i made it my goal i actually made it my goal and then i i ended up getting it and i get it every single year i make it my goal to get it so far which like you never know right right you never know um but i think it helps to know the number and to be really clear about like what is the money for that I'm making and to get clear about the goals that I want, like how much money would it take and get really clear on that. So I I do that. And if you, if you're a member of the union, you go to sagafterplans.org slash health, I think you can actually see how much you've made and when you're like, cause it's not January to December. It has to do with your start date. Even though the insurance is, I think from a certain day to a certain day, your start date is the day when you start counting your health insurance benefits. So it's kind of confusing, but if you go on that website and put in your information, you can see all of that information really clearly and you can say, okay, this is how much I've made towards it. This is how much I have to make towards it. There's two different plans. There's other ways to get it, like if you're a senior. So get really clear about that goal and know what it takes to get it. And that'll help you be on your way to get insurance if you haven't gotten it yet. You know what, Courtney, it's funny that you said that because once I knew how much money I needed to make, things came into to really into perspective. It's interesting because, you know, I started off in theater in high school, started off in theater my my freshman year in, in college, but then I transitioned into just doing film. And it's interesting how in the acting world, as a theater artist, you can definitely make some really good money and, you know, get your um, SAG after card and also um, a- um, actress equity. But what I found out is just, you know, doing commercials, you make a really good, especially if, if it's a, a national commercial. Mm-hmm. So for me, it, it, you can make your insurance in like a week. If you get, if you book that, it is scary how this world works, but yeah. And so as from a business standpoint, 
And just a stability standpoint, it put things in perspective to me of where I needed to also exercise my talents and my skill sets a little bit more in, you know, and, and just it really helped me to align my, my acting goals. So I, I'm glad that you brought that up about the the number of like looking how much and, you know, it takes and then the different plans. And yeah, it, it just I love it because once you uh, obtain it, it just sets you up to just to have a better model, a business model. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. What is the money for? Gotta know. Right. Um, what was it like working on Chicago PD for your first television debut? You know, Courtney, it was a dream come true. My agent was involved with the situation, but how I got onto the show was because I uh, my audition for Empire, and I, I'm a looping artist too. I know, mm -hmm. adding another thing onto the roles that I have. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'm I'm a looping artist, and Empire was was looking for artists for you know I I think it was season four or five. I can't remember what season was. And so I auditioned, and Claire really enjoyed my my audition. But I guess you know I it didn't fit that type of role or whatnot. And so then yeah. they they called me in for Chicago PD. And uh, the role was Darius Brown and I got the role. I was really yeah. happy because I had been going into Claire for some years and I booked, you know, some industrials, I booked some commercials, but I was really, really wanting to do more film work. It was amazing. I mean, it, it, everything was in line. Like my, my character, I was a musician. <laughs> <laughs> on Chicago PD. You were so funny too. You brought a lot of humor to it. Yeah, and they're they're still showing that episode, which you know I, I mm. thank God for that. But um, being on set was really cool because I know Leroy's Hawkins. I know him very well, and you know, in a nutshell, it was a dream come true. I remember being in my my bedroom, Courtney, when I was like fifteen, sixteen years old, because I'm from Decatur, Illinois, it's a very small town. Yeah. And one of my goals was to come to Chicago and you know be a musical artist and you know get into film and. It was a dream come true to see that come into fruition and also to see that the writing that was on my episode was clever enough. You know, it wasn't like mm -hmm. the, the the same old storyline of, you know, the the gangster person getting called and X, Y, Z. I liked I liked that he was approached of it was this music artist and, you know, he just just stealing from this alderman. <laughs> you know, it's, it's actually kind of funny. If you, if you ask me, it's really funny because the dude was already dead and, yeah. I, <laughs> and I'm like stealing from him. It was like... Um, but, um, just to answer your spoiler question, alert, if you haven't seen, I know, yeah, spoiler <laughs> alert, uh, but, but to answer your question, it was a really cool experience and waiting in the trailer was my favorite part of, <laughs> I'm joking. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, um, in a nutshell, it was a great experience. I love working with the actors and, uh, yeah, but it, it was cool. Thanks for asking. Yeah, no, no problem. You keep mentioning documentaries and I want to talk about how many documentaries have you made? So technically, I've made three documentaries. The first one I did was some years back with a label called Level Next Music. And we did a docu-series of us as music artists in the studio and how and what it means to be an artist. Um, so that's on YouTube, too. Um, however, the two most recent ones I, I did were in conjunction with CCM. It stands for Concerned Christian Man Organization. Mm -hmm. It's a not-for-profit that gives back to students of color on the South side. Mm. So yeah, that, that one was called the graffiti plan. And that talked about the urban planning and walkability issue on the yeah. South and West side. And then I did another documentary uh, entitled learning diabetes. It was a collaboration with the students in the organization where we were teaching and informing individuals of proper ways to educate yourself about diabetes and mm. other um, issues that spew themselves into 
people of color, you know, in, in, yeah. in those communities. So just bring in awareness. And it was actually like a really turning point for the kids too. Like some, some of the kids had never really drank certain smoothies before or didn't know how to make certain smoothies. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, and that's just one element of us just showing them just different options of what to drink or what to consume to have a better right. and, and healthy life. So those are the three documentaries, but the most recent ones are Learning Diabetes and The Graffiti Plan. I watched The Graffiti Plan this weekend and it was really interesting because you did like a virtual walk through neighborhoods where you posted pictures about different neighborhoods in Chicago and you asked them three questions. It was like, what do you notice? What do you feel? Do you remember what the questions were? Yeah, you know, I, I think paraphrase and I, I, I believe it's like, yeah, how do you feel? What do you see? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think those are the two main things. Like, what do you see? How do you feel? And I, I based that and just a disclaimer, this was done about maybe four years ago. And this was one of my first two documentaries. So the production of it is is not the greatest, but it's a lot of information, yeah, a lot of great information. Sense. Yeah, those were the two questions, because when we wake up in our our neighborhoods where we live in, I mean, it's a body response. I I learned this Mm -hmm. in in therapy. You know, how can you assess if you trust someone? How can you assess the environment that you live in is pleasant? Well, one way you can feel is, well, how how does your body feel? And we ask the students, you know, in these neighborhoods how do you feel when you wake up in your neighborhood? And we gave them a list of options of like things that they wanted to change. And they chose graffiti, which was very interesting because we all know mm-hmm. the statistics that are on the South and uh, West side, but it's interesting that the kids felt the graffiti was the issue in their neighborhood, which kind of makes sense because if I wake up and I see like a violation of my boundary, which is someone riding over a wall or I'm walking down the street and all I see are buildings that are supposed to be for, you know, either grocery stores or for entertainment or community centers, but there's graffiti all over it. It probably puts myself in a mindset that, wow, my boundary is being violated. I wish that it would look better. So our, our whole goal with the documentary was to educate them on talking to their aldermen about how to put a call to action to more urban planners in their neighborhood so they can make the environment look better, which will help their psyche. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a beautiful process. And I mean, I I mean, while shooting it and while editing it and while teaching the kids, I too learned something as well. That's it. Like in a nutshell of, of the intent of that specific documentary. Right. Cause you don't really think about when you walk outside, like, If you do live in a neighborhood that I learned the term like when it comes to like spaces, like a harmonious space is a space that makes you feel maybe like happy or light or safe. And if you have that, you kind of take it for granted. You don't think about that. That is a reason that you're feeling safe. I don't know, in, in my case anyway. So it was really eye-opening to me to watch that and be like, yeah, if, if I lived in a place that didn't have the funding put into it and kind of was left unclean or on graffiti all over it, that that would make me feel unsafe. Right. And not to go on a tangent, but even something a little bit more deeply rooted, going back to the education aspect, is that for, for an example, what I, I've noticed just by teaching in CPS is that a lot of students don't listen to their educators because some of their educators are not in their neighborhoods Mm -hmm. and just educating, you know, 
other people on just not only the privilege that they have, but to have an understanding of if you're going to teach curriculum, it has to be directly related to your classroom. So for an example, if your classroom is predominantly, you know, black and Latino or a person of color, it will make more sense to cater whatever curriculum you have to their environment. Mm-hmm. So they, so when they go back into that environment, they, they can actually see their environment differently and want to make a change versus waking up in the environment. You go to school, the curriculum is really not catered to your experiences. So you have a disassociative action with the curriculum. And that was another reason why we just wanted to educate the students on on urban planning and the knowledge of it. So when they go back into their classrooms and whatever their curriculum is, that may not necessarily be catered to them. They will have a better understanding. That's amazing. You're doing really good work. Thank you. Thank you. We talked a little bit in the beginning of you said you you got up this morning, you ate your oatmeal, you had your smoothie, you did your meditation. What uh, what other kind of self-care things do you do for yourself so that you are able to give back to your community and to other artists and to kids? Um, how do you fill up your cup? So going back to that, I love to cook. I mean, I, I, I it's not my um, it's not my like expertise. But on, on social media, I have like three different accounts. And one of my friends is making fun of me because it's like, Taylor, that is a perfect example of someone who kind of has perfectionism because I just didn't want my, my, my channel just to be about Taylor Mount. I wanted, I wanted to have different channels. But going back to your question, uh, cooking is, is therapeutic for me. Like I enjoy that self-care because I'm one of those like health nuts where w- when I'm able to see the ingredients that I'm putting in to the food, it makes me feel better. I, I do believe that that's how we take care of ourselves is not allowing products to tell us what's in them, but us educating ourselves, looking at the products and seeing how we can create them ourselves, which just goes back to like, you know, being creative. And that's an extension of my creativity. So I enjoy making my oatmeal from scratch. Now I'm not going into the field and picking the the, the, the oats (laughs) out of the, 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 the ground, but I definitely, you know, start off with just bare minimum oatmeal and then just I build from there. I mean, that's one way. Um, another way that I try to take care of myself is by reading. You know, I I think before an, an educator, yeah, I, I didn't really read that much. If anything, I would read articles, but, you know, articles is not a book, you know, and right. there's a little bit more time. Oh, I'll take that back. I don't, I, I don't want to put that on anybody who writes articles, but I, I feel like books have, have a lot of, it, it's a lot of content that you can uh, absorb and digest. So what I've been doing most recently, just to get out the house around eight o'clock every day, I go to the park and I read this book. It's actually called Nonviolent Communication by Marshall Rosenberg. And I'm learning, you know, how to better communicate, how to talk without placing judgment or which I mean, I don't do, but like just learning how to not have like life alienating judgments, learning about uh, communicating a request versus a demand. I mean, just like little stuff like that. So in, in a nutshell, lately, what I've been doing to take care of myself is cooking, walking in the park, reading books. And thirdly is just surrounding myself with positive people. And, and one of those positive uh, support systems are, are my family each week, each Thursday, we have like a family meeting. Oh, I love that. You know, and it's not like this, like we have this set rule of what we're going to talk about, but each family member gets a chance to be the moderator each week. Mm. So like, I'll be the moderator and my like eight, eight year old nephew will be the moderator. My mom will be the moderator, my father. Oh, that's great. And we've never done this before, Courtney, in our entire life. Isn't that funny how this has brought up, (laughs) like, just seeing people you didn't see before on a weekly basis over Zoom? Like, you could have done this before quarantine, but 
we just didn't, right? No, we didn't. And I, it, you were so right. I just like, okay, so why didn't we do this before? Like, why right. about my high school friends? Why are we just now talking? I mean, we talk <laughs> sparingly, you know, o- over the years, but not to go on another tangent, I believe that another reason, the wild, wild west atmosphere is going on. I think it's also reminding people that, hey, you, we're, we're humans and people need human interaction. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just to summarize, those are the things that I've been doing lately just to have that self-care. Meditation, cooking, reading, writing, and uh, yeah. That's I love it. I love it so much. You got to take care of yourself. What are some of your goals for the future or your vision for the future? I don't know about you, Courtney, but I'm one of those like flower child kids who I have like 50 million ideas. <laughs> Me too. But, <laughs> But <laughs> this podcast is just one of them. Right. Right. And, and and the ideas just never stop. It's like, oh, well, what about this? Oh, as, as I as, as I'm drinking water, oh, I can do this, uh-huh. <laughs> you know. So um, but currently right now, what I'm focusing on is building my Damar brand and Damar stands for dancing in my room. Mm-hmm. And uh, currently right now, it's it's a creative space that gives unique stories and progressive content. So just in a nutshell, it's a way of thinking, but it's also the services that I want to provide when it comes to teaching music, film directing, directing, and just being like a pseudo journalist. Like, even though I don't consider myself a journalist at all, but I love asking questions. I highly recommend starting a podcast. <laughs> right. You know, it's so funny. I was thinking about that. I was like, you know what? Courtney is on to something. I need to, I need to do this. <laughs> it was my, I'm definitely the first to do it. It's my original. <laughs> oh Yeah. The Courtney cast. That's what it was originally called. And then they stole it from you, Courtney. Right, How they dare stole they? It. Pods stole it from me. <laughs> Those pods, I swear, I tell you. But that's what I'm focusing on right now is to build the brand and the business of DeMar. And essentially, as I mentioned, I know it kind of sounds scattered right now because I'm still trying to figure it out. Yeah. But um, it's pretty much just a, a creative space that allows people to be themselves dance in their room and provide their unique story. So right now I I released two segments and I started with my family. I I interviewed my mom on her unique story of of being a black woman in America and in -hmm. in corporate America. And what does it mean to be a black mother and a a black grandmother in America? And then I also uh, released a segment with my father. And it was just a, a short segment of him talking about in the 1870s when the first black congressman was in, in, in office and, and after World War II, you know, how African-Americans fought for the country. And then that's when Jim Crow wrote you know, laws were instilled. This is stuff, Courtney, I didn't even know as African-American male. Just so sad. (laughs) Right? Like, it's just stuff that I didn't know. And, you know, sometimes like I, I... and I, I've talked to my parents about this. Sometimes I do get a little frustrated because I'm, I'm like, well, you know, you guys know this. Why didn't you tell me? But I'm starting to notice with a lot of baby boomers and, and not for everybody, but I, I do believe that their generation, they, they worked real hard, but I'm not sure if they relayed all the information that we needed as millennials to be self-sufficient. But going back to just the whole thread of of what we're talking about. I mean, um, I, I decided to kick off and it's really like a soft launch with my brand out. Cause I wanted to interview my family. Cause you know, sometimes like we get into this routine with our family, we talk, we have, you know, birthdays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, but sometimes the way that we behave, we may not know why we behave and it's directly related to our parents It's directly related to their parents. It's a generational trickling down of the way that we govern ourselves. So I wanted to ask my mom of, you know, you know, why does she feel this way? And I 
wanted to talk to my dad about, you know, X, Y, and Z, just so I, I can have a better understanding of self, which goes back to that whole progressive element of Damar, which is dancing in my room, which just means dancing out the ideas in your head. Um, ah. Having the, having the, a, a, a healthy mind, a healthy mind is you dancing in your room and not giving a sh about what anybody else says. That's a yeah. healthy mind versus being in your room, which is your mind where you, you're limited and you think everything about what people say. You're kind of stagnant. So when you're dancing, that's an action and that's a joyous action. So that's yeah. what the whole brand and the whole theme is about is presenting unique stories, progressive content in a creative space. I love it. And do you make people actually physically dance as well? And do you physically dance as well in your room? So let me tell you, what really kicked this off was last year, I released a video on my birthday of me dancing. I had just got done. And you, I, I'm starting to sound like I'm a, I'm a nut, but I had just got done <laughs> doing a six mile run with my cousin. And I came back home and I was like, you know what? I'm not done yet. I want to shoot a video of me dancing to my favorite 90s R&B songs. Yeah. So I released that. And then that's where DeMar came. Actually, now that I think about it, that's where DeMar came from because I was like man I'm dancing in my room I was like oh Damar dancing in my room feeling good getting my ideas out so I love it you know I teach people how you know you should feel your emotions but you don't want to get stuck there and one of the ways to get unstuck from being trapped in a mood is by changing your physiology so dancing and I always say like have a dance party alone with your cat whatever it is like just have a dance party and get your body physically moving and it helps me so much to have a dance party. So dancing in my room, I love that. Thanks for sharing that, that, that sentiment because, I mean, think about it. I mean, I know when I am dancing all by myself, do you know all the images that I have in my head, the creativity, the, the, the you know, is it, it, it's a beautiful feeling because you are allowed, it's freedom. It's literally mm -hmm. an emotional liberation versus emotional slavery, which I'm also mm -hmm. learning about that in Marshall Rosenberg. But emotional liberation, and I feel like that is emotional liberation when you're dancing. I love it. Yeah, because you don't care. You're just being yourself. Yeah. Yep. Have you heard that quote? Someone's like, dance like nobody's watching because they're not. They're staring at their iPhone. So, Right. Just dance. Right. So how can people find your work and do you have anything you want to plug coming up? Currently right now, I'm going to be launching my website on my birthday this Saturday. It's, nice. uh, it's going to be taylormallorymusic.com. It's not published yet, so if you type it in, it's probably going to bounce back. But well, it might be they might be listening to this after your birthday. Oh, okay, so. perfect. Yeah, right. Yeah, rewind. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, the 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 number one thing that I'm focused on right now, or, or what I have coming up, is releasing my my website. And in my website, you're able to get a better understanding of who I am, but also the services that I provide, but just all the other um, activities that I'm a part of. And the piece that I, I want to get at is, is the giving back of the opportunities of giving back. And so I'm going to have a place on my website where individuals can donate to specifically Black organizations that need the help or need the reconstruction of, you know, whatever happened during the uh, George Floyd peaceful protest and the looting or whatnot. So that's going to be a component of it too. But I think if for, for individuals who may not know who I am or just individuals of like, okay, Taylor does 50 million things, break it on down. 
And, yeah, and for the longest, you know, I was with the label and I, I had all of my information on that site, but I decided to transition it to having my, just a one staple site for just Taylor Mallory. And I, I'm not, I, once again, I'm not trying to make this a be so self boasting, but I feel like most times when we reach out to individuals, we go to their Instagram and it doesn't really tell the story. Like if you go to my Instagram story, it may not necessarily tell the whole story. Well, that's because you have three Instagram accounts. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Right. You got to put them all in one, Taylor. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You're they right. I don't know the whole story now. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but d- just to answer your question in, in a nutshell, that's what I have coming up is launching my website and my DeMar brand services. Um, I also have a single out right now. Um, it's called Feeling Better. It's yeah. on all streaming platforms. It's a dance, soul, house-esque type record. Go ahead and stream that. And I'm still debating if I'm going to put out the full album on, on my birthday, but most likely it'll be on Bandcamp for the first week, and then I'll have it on my um, on all streaming platforms after that. Okay, and it'll probably be, if your website is up, it'll probably be on your website. Yes, it'll be on my website as well. We'll put all that in the show notes as well, and, and links to the books you mentioned as well. I think we should do that. Before we leave, I try to ask everybody on the show, like, what do you love about what you do. And you have a lot of things that you do like me. So if you can, can you summarize what you love about everything you do? Is it in line? Is it similar? I believe it is. It is in line. It goes back to the artistic statement. My passion is my profession. Mm -hmm. And if I could summarize it all in a nutshell, I would say that A, what I do when it comes to being a creative, I get to not only use my creativity for my therapeutic needs, but I'm also able to give that back and helping to plant seeds and those seeds plant other seeds. Mm-hmm. In a nutshell, it's, it is all in line of just the calling. I believe that we all have a calling in life. And I believe my calling is not necessarily to be on a stage. It's not necessarily to be on a TV show. But I really do believe all of our callings and my calling is to find something that is uniquely you where you can rewrite your story because I feel like I'm able to rewrite my story when I act. I'm able to rewrite my story when I go teach the kids. I'm able to rewrite my story when I'm writing a song. And just the opportunity and the privilege and the honor to wake up every day to exercise your talent and to be your optimal self in all of your occupations is a dream come true. Because some individuals they're not their optimal self. They have a limited self at their job and the, which mm-hmm. in, in inhibits them to be their full self in their creative endeavors. And I thank God for the, for the privilege and the honor and the blessings to have the talents to work on my optimal self, but then give that back to provide more nourishment into the communities that we all live in and we strive to um, uplift. Thank you for your artistry and your creativity and your contribution to the community and the world. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for coming on, Taylor. I appreciate it. This was fun. Happy birthday. (laughs) Birthday time. I'm turning 21 over again and over and over and over and over and over. It doesn't stop. No, you don't want to stay in your 20s. Your 20s are I still have my 60 summers left. Yes. Oh my gosh, thank you so much, Taylor Mallory, for being a guest on The Whole Artist. Taylor and I recorded this at the end of June, so since then, he's been busy. He did launch his website, taylormallorymusic.com, 
and he's got several music business courses, vocal lessons, music consultations, and more. And he's got a new project called The Challenge Sessions, Volume 1. It's currently available on Bandcamp, and all proceeds will be donated to At Dream On Education, a black female-led organization helping black youth in academic achievement. Check it out at taylormallory.bandcamp.com. So like I said earlier, we're coming to the end of Season 1. So exciting. I'm planning on season two being more television focused and having casting directors, producers, writers, actors from television shows. If there's anyone out there that you'd really love to hear from, please let me know and I will try my best to get them on the show. Really quick plug before we leave. I had a friend reach out to me and thank me for the books that I have on my website that I recommend and said they've been really helping her make it through the pandemic. These are all books that I've read or I'm going to read this year and books that have really helped myself and my clients and I guess my friends too. If you head to CourtneyRue.com slash blog slash reading dash list, you could also just Google Courtney Rue reading list. It should come up. There's books on happiness and fulfillment, making money, creativity and curiosity, acting books, memoirs, setting boundaries, all things Brene Brown, manifesting, business books. I mean, you name it, any book that I've read that has helped me in any way I put on this bookshelf. There's also some anti-racism books on there that I'm currently reading or want to read. And all the links, if you click on it, goes to Amazon, but I highly encourage you to find a local bookstore or a Black-owned bookstore in your community to order from and help support local business. In Chicago, there's a Black female-owned bookstore called Semicolon. As always, special thanks to Jamie and Eric at Blythe Martin Productions for my theme music, to Joe Maza at Brave Lux for the photo in my logo, and Mike Caputo at Pod Clubhouse for producing this podcast. The whole artist with Courtney Rue is produced under the SAG-AFTRA new media contract. Thanks, SAG-AFTRA. Hey, I hope you've been inspired. I hope you learned something, and I hope you feel better than you did before you were listening. Have a great day, and I'll talk to you next week. The whole artist with Courtney Rue. The Whole Artist with Courtney Rue is a Pod Clubhouse original production, produced, engineered, and edited at Pod Clubhouse Studios. Follow us online at podclubhouse.com.